I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You were locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube. And joining me today, we did a joint podcast with the Locked On Knicks guys, Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf. So you hear our conversation with them. Actually, just my conversation, not our. Our would, I guess, be the royal we, which is just me, myself, and I. It was an interesting conversation with them. They definitely do not like Chris Porzingis. And that is, I tried to stick up for him as much as possible. And we had some interesting conversation about Dennis Smith Jr., about R.J. Barrett. Lots of things going on over there. And it was a three-man remote podcast. So there's a lot of fumbling over each other, the back and forth. Not as smooth and not as great. Uh, the chemistry wasn't as great as you guys are used to with me and Isaac, the way that we record. But it was a good conversation. So here it is, me with Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf from the Lockdown Knicks. Guys, it's here, finally, the Kristaps Porzingis revenge game slash Dennis Smith Jr. revenge game, question mark? <laughs> He's already taken enough revenge on the Knicks. I don't know if he needs to take revenge <laughs> on Dallas, too. Oh, man. Oh, hey, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to see if Dennis has his head clear right now, you know? Like, he's coming back from this, like, family tragedy. It sounds like he's rejoining the team, so I don't know if he's playing, though. I don't know if he's playing for sure. Maybe the second game he might play? Yeah, I'm thinking he's going to play in the game next week for sure. They had made it sound like he wasn't going to play all on the road trip, so he wasn't going to play the other day, and he wasn't going to play today for this game. So I I can't say for certain, but I I don't think Dennis Smith is going to play. Yeah, that that would probably be my guess too. But I think he's I think he's really going to want to come back and play in Dallas, and this is his only chance too. So I don't know if I was a betting man, if I you know maybe was on my bookie and there was a prop bet for is Dennis going to play or not, which there probably isn't. But if I was, then I would probably bet that he would. Wow, Nick, that was that was seamlessly done, man. You're you're, you're good at this. You're good. <laughs> it, it'll be interesting. That's that's kind of actually like I, I would say a decent place to start our conversation for Mavericks fans tuning in who are interested in what the Knicks rotation is going to look like. A- Alex, I- I'm going to start off throwing it to you because we- we've had a lot of discussions about this. I- assuming DSJ back fully healthy, h- how do you see the Knicks point guard rotation turning out? Because obviously Frank Nilakina has been playing spectacularly well, particularly um, in last night's game against the Pistons. Well, Frank is for sure going to going to start in this game. That's, that's a definite. I mean, because... Potentially DSJ might be back if I mean it sounded like he was rejoining the team. I, like I said, I still don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, as Nick alluded to, maybe he would want to do it just because he'd be like, "Yeah, screw the Mavs. I want to play against them. I want to do well against them." Um, I, in this case, like I'd actually welcome it because I I do think the Knicks need like an actual backup point guard right now. Like basically, it's been like Frank Nilakina or like running RJ out there as the point at this particular moment for the last few games because you're without Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. It's funny how like injuries and personal tragedies suddenly turn what was a point guard log jam into a, you know, total like point guard deficit, I guess. Um, but Frank will start. DSJ will play some if he's available. Hopefully Fizdale is smart enough to pull him if he's not playing well enough. Um, and RJ's going to play some point too, obviously, I think. Uh I don't think too much is going to change there. The thing that's more intriguing is that Mitchell Robinson is going to be out of the game 
And that was disappointing to me because that was the matchup I was most looking forward to seeing was Mitchell Robinson versus Chris Dabbs. You you guys just wanted to see him swat one of his shots. That's really what sure. you guys just want to see. I thought I you were I thought you were quote unquote unblockable three point shot. <laughs> I thought you were being facetious when you said Frank Nelikina has been playing well, but he's actually like performing well and he's going on a tear right now. Is that what you is that what you're telling me? He's last been game, last game was fantastic. Yeah, like, defensively, I mean, fantastic. Yeah, no, he was spectacular defensively, and he's had, I think, two of the last three games now where he shot pretty well, and I, I don't know if that's sustainable in any real way, but no, he's, he's like, made a pretty, for I mean, for people not watching, I understand why why you would have assumed that, Nick, like, the whole Nick's point guard situation is, at least from a national perspective, kind of a running joke, but he's certainly made strides this offseason offensively, and now we're finally getting to see it, and, and I really think it took both Alfred Payton and DSJ being out to see this version of Frank because he, he's a guy who's clearly struggled with confidence throughout his career and having an inconsistent role, constantly having competition at the position, constantly being talked about in the media. It, it all adds up to a guy who's consistently unsure of where he fits in the rotation. And, and this kind of provided some clarity. Hey, you're the guy, you're the only point guard we have on the roster. And that's allowed him to fight through missed shots and not hesitate every time he gets the ball with an open look. And, and you can, clearly see the work he's put into his game because he's a lot smoother offensively a lot quicker and he continues to just be a dynamic defensive player breaking up passes left and right and making a whole lot of plays that don't necessarily appear in the stat sheet but making all the difference in the world particularly for a Knicks team that is pretty bereft defensively otherwise yeah so their point guard situation has been kind of well documented but Going into the season, you know, the big joke about the Knicks was, oh, they have a thousand power forwards. They signed all these dudes in the in the offseason. And now, what from what I've been seeing, they've been playing those three guys in Marcus Morris, Julius Randle, and Bobby Portis. They've been playing those three guys together. How has that rotation sort of formed as the season has started so far? Horrifically. It's been terrible. Uh one of the one of the least enjoyable things to watch about the Knicks. And it, and it has <laughs> It has nothing to do with the fact that they're all quote unquote power forwards. Like that was overblown and stupid. Like Marcus Morris can play the three or the four. He's been able to play the three or the four his whole career. Like he can defend both positions. He can offensively play both positions. That's not that's not a thing. That's that was a stupid narrative. And so was like Portis and Gibson mostly play center minutes now. You know, like they occasionally play what you'd call quote unquote power forward minutes but they're flex players you know they go from the four to the five it's not they're not defined i don't know it's funny how like every everybody's all about positionless basketball until the knicks <laughs> sign a bunch of guys that allegedly play the same position and then everybody turns it into a whole freaking thing jokes over real things guys jokes over yeah real exactly but like so uh, no but like morris and randall have been really painful to watch because basically it seems like fizdale has made their roles to be like the primary offensive talents on this team and basically just putting the ball in their hands a lot and just being like figure it out and that doesn't really work with those two especially with Randall like that's a role that he clearly I think he wants to fill but is not built for because um, he just he's not nearly talented enough as a ball handler and stuff to like fully initiate the whole offense he's he's definitely a talented passer and all that but he, he can't fully do that um, but like yeah, I don't know. I, I'm hoping – so there's talk uh, – I think I saw a tweet from Ian Bagley today of SNY that the Knicks are potentially thinking of starting Julius Randle at center with uh, Mitchell Robinson probably going to be out. 
and presumably that could mean moving Kevin Knox into the starting lineup if they're going to go small and going with a because I can't imagine he would say that Julius would be the center if he was going to start Bobby Portis or something. So we may actually see a completely new starting lineup on Friday, which like surprise surprise that happens all the time with David Fisdale. Uh, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent on how that's how well that's going to work. But I, I guess we'll see when we get there. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see what the starting lineup comes out to be and. I, I doubt that he's going to split up Morris and Randall for this game because the Knicks are just kind of not heavy on depth at the moment. But going forward, I think it's going to be advantageous for the Knicks if they can somehow split those two up and not have them starting and closing games together. Yeah, that'll be interesting yeah. to see. I, I hope that the Mavericks then start Boban and Porzingis together just, just to go the complete opposite way instead of going super well, small to go the biggest is- lineup you can. The good news for the Knicks, if that was the case, is that they can have pretty much anybody guard Porzingis because he can't back down a point guard. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty easy to put Frank on him. And oh, the shots. Him down for most of the night. Oh, the shots coming out early. Uh, <laughs> so, and Nick, oh, yeah, go ahead. So who do you expect then to, to be in the starting lineup? So we're thinking Randall at center. We're thinking uh, maybe Kevin Knox, but definitely Marcus Morris, Frank Nilekina. You guys said who else has been in the starting lineup or do you think will be I, in tonight? I, I think locked in, it's going to be Frank, RJ, Morris, and Randall. And that fifth player is just going to be the flex. Whether he decides to go with like Taj Gibson or Bobby Portis as more of a quote-unquote true center or shifts Randall down the center and puts in... If if he shifts Randall down the center, I think Kevin Knox starts at the three. But I don't know about you, Gavin. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. Today's podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Tonight's game, the Dallas Mavericks versus the New York Knicks, is actually on mybookie.ag right now. You can get real odds on that. You can go over and bet the Mavs. They are an 11-point favorite. So if you think that the Mavericks, who are one of the best offensive teams in the league right now, the Knicks are 29th in offensive rating. They score 100 points per 100 possessions, which is not great. And they also defend the 24th worst in the league. They are, or I guess the 24th. They're 24th in the league in defensive rating, 110.7 points per 100 possessions that they allow. If you think that the Mavericks will beat the Knicks by over 11 points, go ahead and throw some money down on the uh, the Mavericks. Also, the money line, if you think that the Mavericks will just win straight up, you don't want to bet with a point spread, the 11 point, anything like that. The Mavs are currently at minus 690 favorites. You'd have to bet $690 to win $100. <laughs> If you think that the Mavericks are going to beat the Knicks, that's how much of a favorite they are right now. If you think the Knicks will pull one out, if you think this is a trap game for the Mavericks, you can go ahead and bet $100 and you would, you could win $495 if, if the Knicks end up winning straight up. So that's what's going on over at mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Send in, put in your first deposit, whatever money you're going to put down on this Mavs Knicks game, you can put that money down. My bookie will double it if you use the promo code Locked On NBA to a- activate your offer. Promo code is Locked On NBA to double your cash. Visit mybookie.a the letter G today. You play, you win, you get paid. Nick, I'm, I'm interested to. Uh, I, I feel like I'm asking like how like an ex girlfriend is doing, but <laughs> how's how's the Chris Stapps Porzingis experience been? For you so well it seems like you guys are are truly in the honeymoon phase i saw i put out like a cute video with luca that i i avoided watching i wanted i wanted to click on it but i didn't do it you can't show the likes you can't, you can't no. go in like no, old photos no. <laughs> gavin uh, shaw viewed your profile <laughs> like oh okay man the christoph's porzingis experience has been 
has been interesting so far. It's been incredibly encouraging <laughs> from from his side because it just seems like him playing with Luka Doncic, the best player he's ever played with, has been a weird transition for him. And the Mavericks are five and two, and the the Luka and Porzingis duo has still not completely figured it out yet. I think their net rating right now when they share the court is negative 4.6, which is just not great. And they're starting with those two, obviously. They're finishing games with those two. They're starting you know, the third quarter, obviously, with those two. They're trying to figure out how to work well together, and they just haven't been clicking completely you know, fully right now. I'm actually working on a video about Porzingis and his shots for, um, for Free Dawkins. It should be out by the time you guys hear this. But he's... He's doing well at the rim. He's getting the putbacks, obviously, you know, the hook shots and things like that are on the rim. But then when he goes from that, like, 10 feet to the three-point line, that area, he's shooting, what was it, like, 20%. (laughs) Just something really bad. And it's the way that the Mavericks are giving him the ball, the way that they're starting out. He's either getting the ball at the top of the key and driving into the lane and, you know, pulling up and doing something weird or starting around 15 to 20 feet and facing up or posting up and taking shots there. And his shot is just not where it needs to be at this point for him to be doing that and trying to do, honestly, to do like mellow stuff, <laughs> to do the face up and like jab step and trying to just shoot over the top of guys. He can get over the top of guys unless that guy is Jonathan Isaac who blocked his shot like three times the other night. But that's where he's really trying to get the bulk of his offense when he isn't you know just straight running a pick and roll with somebody and that that's just not working so far but he's still averaging like 20 points and the Mavericks are still winning and so it's working out but there's definitely room for for growth and that's kind of what we're focusing on right now can, can I just been... quickly oh, add just one quick thing Alex um Nick you you noted that Luka Doncic is the best player he's ever played with I just wanted to make sure you didn't forget you know he had Jarrett Jack on his team his like second year yeah I didn't say the best point guard I meant just the best oh just, uh, the best just overall you know? <laughs> well I think that's a debate but yeah okay, I, I think I think we can make a case for for Derek Rose and Mello the one year they were definitely you know definitely like the best players that Porzingis has played with right better than Doncic yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love this, the Derek Rose Wonder Years. Yeah, that was. It's he's better now. He just sucked on the Knicks. He, he's pretty good. At this hey, point. hey, he just sucked on the Knicks. Should be a book, you guys, right? Yeah, I, I'm halfway yeah. through Nick. I'm, I'm almost there. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> we, funny we, with Rose doing. though is his uh, his counting stats that year looked really good, except for when you actually watched him play. You're like, oh, he can't play defense at all, and he never passes the ball. So that kind of explains why. The Knicks aren't good. <laughs> yeah, he averaged something like 18 points a game that year, and everyone was saying, "Oh, he's back, and he's back." And then if you watched him, you just said, "Man, he's he's, he's really doing back. a lot. He's really trying a lot out there." Yeah, well, it's pretty, yeah. pretty impressive that he put up those numbers on a super team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing with that, not to not to go down like memory lane too much here, but the thing with that was like. It, it like that year, I remember everybody was worried that Porzingis was going to get stunted, like because of the fact that Rose and Mello were so determined to not like ever get him the ball and only look for their own shots. That everybody was like, "Wow, we need to we need to especially get Rose the hell out of here, but probably also Mello because like they're literally like taking shots away from our like one young player who shows any sort of like promise on this team who actually has like maybe long term potential." It was that was a frustrating year, but and instead they just anyway. shipped him away for like two draft picks and a, a point guard that you guys don't really play anymore. So yeah, well, only for now. 
I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see with Dennis Smith. I mean, we already kind of alluded to it, but it, so much of what's going on with him seems like, A, maybe he was recovering from injury a little bit because he had like a back injury during the off season that kept him out of most of the preseason. But like, also it seemed like there's something going on between his ears and not a lot of details have come out about his absence, except for that his stepmother died. Um, so I don't know if she like had a long battle with cancer or something or, or something that was like weighing on him in a way, you know, that was affecting him throughout the early parts of the season. But his, his head just didn't seem with the game for the first couple games when he played. And uh, so I, I don't know. I'm hoping I'm hoping that whatever it was, like it, even if it wasn't that, that just being with his family for that. I mean, the Knicks gave him he's had now like over a week off uh, away from the team. So I, I'll be intrigued to see how he comes back. Like it, he just it, he needs to definitely like be more actively involved in the game, I guess, would be my thing. But uh yeah, from from the little that from the little that I've seen of him, it it did really seem like a mental thing. There was that that famous you know play now where he was on the three point line and he pump faked with no one in front of him, and then he stepped forward to airball or to you know miss really badly on a long two, and that that to me is just a mental thing. You have to have the confidence to just pull up if you're wide open. And hilariously, it was DeAndre Jordan that was guarding him out <laughs> out on the three point line and backed up all the way into the paint because he knows that he can't hit that shot. And it has to be really weird for Dennis to go from the situation in Dallas where he was the point guard. He was the guy. And then all of a sudden, Luka became the guy. And then he finagled his way out of it. And he went to the Knicks. And it seemed like he was going to be a, you know, maybe not the guy, but a guy again. He was going to be a prominent figure. And then all of a sudden, they bring in RJ. They sign all these guys. And he's now with a bunch of veterans that like to get their own shots up. And I think that's just a, a very different situation for him. But so Dennis outside of just the, the mental things, what have you guys seen from him play-wise, uh, whether it was last year or this year from our guy? Because Mavs fans, they still some of them still pine for Dennis Smith, and they say, hey, can we bring him back really? sometime? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, oh, man. It's just an irrational love when you draft a guy. I'm sure you guys understand that. Like As soon as you draft a guy, mm-hmm. he's your guy. And you know it's like a little brother. Nobody else can make fun of him except for you. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, yeah, last year he had he had some moments. I mean, especially his first couple of games, like he he was pretty excellent, a better passer than I thought he was. I, I was surprised at some of the reads he was making, and he had I think it was his second game with the Knicks. He scored like 33 points or so against the Pistons. Got to the free throw line like 19 times, only made 11 of them, and then it was just sort of downhill from there. A lot of inconsistency. And my my biggest takeaway, and I, I was saying this all preseason, and obviously. Um, I, it seems like they're extenuating circumstances in, in, in the regular season, but I just I didn't buy it with him. He he is all the I mean, and this this was obvious from the moment he was drafted. Like all, everything you could want, like his jumper, even though it wasn't always functional, it it looked pretty good outside of that hitch. Like I, I thought going back to college, he always had pretty good form. He's obviously like you could argue like one of the two, three, four, five most athletic point guards. In the NBA, I think he's generally pretty smart and savvy as a basketball player. But for whatever reason, it's hard to pinpoint. There's always been something missing there. And I just didn't see that turning around. It's just one of those guys who you're like, okay, like there, there are a lot of good elements here. But for whatever reason, it isn't translating into winning. And maybe that's because they're not all apparent at the same time or the jump shot never really got there or he can't make free throws. But I, I just thought he was less than the sum of his parts. But Alex, I remember you, you were at least coming into the year a little bit more optimistic than I was. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen things from him to suggest he could certainly be a good player. Like, the thing that has stood out to me so far this year about his play is that he, like, he doesn't look comfortable when he's getting to the hoop even. And that was kind of his bread and butter last year. It was like, you know, you can't, you couldn't count on the jumper, but you could always count on, like, if he got past the defense and got inside, I mean, he had that phenomenal finishing ability right around the hoop and you know the ability to contort himself and draw fouls and all kinds of stuff the foul shots again were like a whole nother story but I mean that part of his game he at least seemed really comfortable with um and you know I saw things last year when he was on the Knicks like defensively I was a little more impressed with him than I expected to be as far as his anticipation like off the ball um forcing steals and stuff his on-ball defense wasn't the best but you know, off the ball, he was creating turnovers and running transition and stuff, which I thought was a good sign. Um, you know, and just the general, like, his his ability to pass the ball, I thought, was a little underrated coming into the Knicks. Like, and he showed, you know, I think he had a couple of eight-ish assist games last year um, where he kind of flashed some passion, yeah, passing ability, uh, getting inside and, you know, kicking it out to the corners or finding you know people cutting in or whatever he had a pretty good feel for that um in general though i i still have i i don't think he's like broken or anything i do think that the shot is looking pretty broken i was actually nick i was gonna ask you because i'm curious and i'm sure you watched plenty of you know smith jumpers in dallas i it didn't seem like his his shot was that broken before he came to the knicks and then all of a sudden it was like he got in his own head and the, this hitch just, I mean, now it's, it's just disgusting to look at. I mean, it's, it's horrible. Like it, it's like he has to like, I don't know, like wind up like a pitcher when he's shooting, you know what I mean? It's like he, he starts going up and he's like in the air and then is like contorting his arms still kind of like in the air and then like trebucheting the ball out. It's just very strange. Um, did you see signs of that in Dallas? Like, because if you look back on his college tape, it, it's almost non-existent. It's just very weird that he's like so pronouncedly developed this now in his third season, and like from his second season into his third season. Yeah, it's a weird situation with with Dennis's shot. We, we've, it's definitely something we focused on a lot with the Mavericks. There wasn't really a hitch like that, like you're talking about. Uh, he he does have kind of a weird form where he sort of leans forward a little bit, <laughs> or and then kind of falls back on a lot of his jumpers. But it's a weird thing where he leans forward and falls back at the same time. And I I kind of I I kind of think it's almost like when you're in the in March Madness where guys will play in these arena these normal arenas for all of March Madness. You get to the Final Four and then you play in this giant giant huge like football stadium. And you have to recalibrate all of your free throw shooting. Guys, airball free throws all the time because the depth perception is so off. And I feel like when he goes to this new situation, he goes to this new place and something changes, you know, mentally for him. I think it changed a lot of that stuff for him. And I think it just it affected all of him. Uh, not that just MSG is such a big stadium, I'm not talking literally. I'm just saying that this new situation was such a big change for him that it affected <laughs> his jumper in a way. And I mean, after we've seen Markel Fultz, it's, 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 it's not hard to believe that he's had a trainer or somebody in his ear t- trying to fix his shot too much and trying to tweak too many things that all of a sudden it just changes in a completely wrong way. That would seem so weird to me a couple of years ago, but ever since Markel Fultz, I just think that anything is possible. 
these guys focusing more on the workout videos than the actual workouts themselves. I mean, who who knows what's going on behind the scenes with this training? We see, I don't know, what, 1% of guys working on stuff and then whatever the 99% they're working on is behind the scenes and we don't ever get you know a look behind the curtain to see what they're really working on, what they're really trying to tweak. All right, coming up, more talk about the Mavs-Knicks matchup tonight and a lot more stuff about R.J. Barrett. I'm going to ask the guys what they think was the most surprising thing that they've seen in R.J. Barrett's game coming up. So coming up, we'll talk about that. But before we move on, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade right now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the promo code Locked On at checkout. That's Locked On, one word, Indochino.com. Uh, Nick, I, I know it wasn't your intent, but you've, uh, I think between the positive Chris Stapps talk and now uh, some DSJ conversation, at least I can't speak for Alex, but you, you fully succeeded in, in bumming me out a little bit. So I want to <laughs> return the favor. Um, how, how's, how's the Tim Hardaway uh, time been for you? <laughs> Tim Hardaway currently right now is top five in the NBA in personal offensive rating. I just want you to let I don't want to let uh, you guys know that right now. I don't want to, I don't need to I think, know that. I think That's he's right behind he's right behind Dwight Howard right now. Um uh, D- Tim Hardaway Jr. has been a real up and down experience, which I'm sure you guys understand. The shot selection is just it drives you up a wall. He has all the talent in the world. He's athletic. You know, he can pull up from anywhere. He can you can he can hit shots, but just the decisions that he makes and the shots that he makes have just been frustrating. I think Coming into this season, though, and so far in these first seven games, he's been a lot better in, as far as the shots that he's taking. He'll take two shots a game where his mistakes are really loud, right? Like the mistakes that he takes and the, the shots that he takes where you go, man, why, why the hell would you even take that shot? Those are the ones that stick out the most. But I think for the most part, he's taking solid shots. And they've, you know, he, Carlisle trusted him in the Orlando game, the last game that Mavericks played down the stretch, and he played him the most out of any of the you know, the role players in rotation and he's played some decent defense. He's, you know, hitting shots sometimes and he's not taking the worst shots all the time. And he's been a decent player. He's definitely not a $20 million player for sure, but uh, he hasn't been, you know, he's not dead, dead money or dead weight either. The Courtney Lee, the Courtney Lee situation is even weirder to me. The guy started the first two games of the season and he played, I think maybe 12 minutes combined in the two games. (laughs) just played at the very beginning and then they held him out for the rest of it that was even a weirder situation yeah Courtney Lee just can't catch a break with all these weird playing situations because it was the same thing on the Knicks the last couple years I mean it would be like he'd play heavy heavy minutes and then like nothing I mean last year he basically played nothing because he was more or less by the time that he was healthy to play last year he the Knicks were already in like full development mode and were like we have no place for you sorry like (laughs) Like we don't need good vets on this team, like like in your mold at this point. Like, although they did strangely play Lance Thomas a ton, so maybe maybe that was all bullshit. I don't know. I can't say for certain, but uh, I'm actually. I mean, as much as it pains me to admit, because I'd love to clown on Hardaway and the contract and everything else. When he got traded there, I was like, with Doncic, he's kind of a perfect fit, to be honest. Like, because if you can. If you could put Tim Hardaway in a situation where he's going to be mostly shooting spot ups and just like quick drafts to the hoop and stuff like that, that's that's kind of ideal for his skill set. Like the the times when he really kind of screwed up on the Knicks was when he was being trusted as like a number one option and being right. asked to like create for himself and others. And that's you know that's obviously something that he's completely incapable of doing. But as just like a spot up scoring threat and 
uh, you know, he's at least like passable on defense most of the time now. If he's in a good enough system, like uh, I'm not surprised that he's doing well. To be completely honest, um, so I d- again, as painful as it is, I don't want to finish this podcast without asking you guys. R.J. Barrett has looked pretty good to me. He's putting up good numbers: 18 points, six boards, almost four assists, shooting 36.7% from three. What has surprised you the most from his game that you did not expect coming into the season so far? I, th- I think just how quickly the best parts of his game were translatable to the NBA. Like I was, uh, and I, I was, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll brag whenever I'm right. I was so far off the mark with him. I mean, I, I thought not, not that it was like a disaster when they picked him because there weren't really a whole lot of other options. But I, I just, I didn't see his game shockingly for a guy who was considered the consensus number one prospect a year ago, translating very well to the NBA, especially initially. I mean, so much of his college success was contingent on him out muscling guys to the basket. And I was like, okay, that just like not going to happen in the NBA and instead it's sort of been the inverse where even the Knicks who have maybe the most putrid spacing in the league just having anything (laughs) resembling NBA spacing has made such a big difference for him and he's genuinely like unstoppable getting to the rim like he's stronger than almost everyone guarding him he's pretty quick he's wily he's so good at, at with a guy being right right on him and at the last second like subtly using his hip or his elbow to create a little bit of space and then contorting his body and he's still sort of working on finishing in those situations like he's definitely um far from a complete product in that aspect but he's just so so nba ready and i mean to me the most amazing thing is because it's so rare even with the best rookies in basketball like like Doncic is like clearly like a better player and i would I'd infinitely rather have luca uh now i'm gonna get fired but um he like luca last year like had like definitive issues defensively and that's an area i thought rj was going to struggle and all in all like not that he's a lead on that end but he's been very very solid and compared to most of the knicks i mean he, he looks like bruce bowen out there <laughs> he's he's not been an issue and because of it he's like nearly or for a stretch leading the nba in minutes because david fisdale can literally not take him off the court because he's the one thing the Knicks have resembling a complete player. I'm shocked at how well he's shooting, shocked at his defense. I mean, he's just been, Alex, feel free to add on to my gushing, but I, I think he's just been amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, like, one thing that I think is is bizarre is his shooting. Um, his overall field goal percentage is pretty good because his, his, uh, his finishing around the rim, I think, is better than I expected it to be, as Gavin said. Uh, and I think his percentage around the rim would be even better if, like, he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely been practicing to try to uh, fulfill his offseason promise of dunking on Porzingis because he's definitely like muffed a couple <laughs> I of potential. He's he's like muffed a couple of potential like free throw opportunities or clean layup opportunities to try to posterize guys in the last few games. <laughs> um, and I think he's like just desperately seeking his first NBA poster at this point. Um, so, you know, his finishing around the rim has been great. Overall shooting has been great. Three-point shooting has been completely eye-opening because I didn't think – I thought he'd shoot about 30% this year. And he's been – I mean, some games coming through with like two or four three-point shooting and stuff. Um, as Gavin said, the defense has been great. He's proven he can defend point guards, which is really impressive because I wasn't even sure that he'd be able to guard shooting guards, let alone point guards. And he can guard pretty much – I think comfortably any position one to three, more or less, um, you know, with varying degrees of success, but at least be passable on one to three. I would say that the thing that most has surprised me about him, though, is the the passing, which we gush about almost every game that he has one or two like wow passes where you're like, that is a pass that I would not expect a rookie to be making. Um, 
I mean, they're, they're just, there was one in the last game that I mentioned on our, on our post game pod where, uh, he drove baseline and, and kicked out to Marcus Morris for three, like threaded it through about four piston defenders to get the pass, like all the way across the court, practically to Morris for three. That was super impressive. He had this like bonkers, like pass where he was going to get a ball that was going out of bounds and like flipped it down the court to Julius Randall for an easy transition dunk. Like just this little touch pass that was like way more savvy than I would ever expect. Um, and he just, he busts out like one pass like that per game at least. And his assist numbers are starting to go up. He had eight assists in his last game. Uh, and the Knicks are running him a lot as the point guard, um, because there just hasn't been many better options available. I mean, they literally ran him out. There's, technically the point guard in game one of the season, even though Alonzo Trier like was the quote unquote point guard, RJ more or less was that for the first game of the season even. So uh, I think it's definitely the passing and his ability to just be like a for real number one option on offense already, even if the percentages he's already had a couple stinkers for, you know, percentage wise and the free throw shooting is concerning, but I think those things are eventually going to come around. Like just his, overall feel for the game is phenomenal uh nick i wanted to throw uh one back at you before we, we maybe make I, I know you had an over under so maybe we'll do a little prediction on that but how do you think um just from an early gauge of him chris Stapps is gonna handle being back in new york because i, I kind of get the feeling like luca just seems like the type of competitor um where it's gonna fire him up a little bit and i think he's gonna make like a real concerted effort to try and have kp have a big game and and win in particular but but what what's your what's your sort of feel for all that yeah i wonder how it's gonna go in dallas the the mavericks you know usually try to show up in dallas at home for sure but in new york in msg i feel like that's gonna be the big one where Porzingis really tries to go off Doncic, like he said really tries to help him get going to really stick it to his old team but I, I'm not sure how it's going to go against the Knicks in Dallas. This could be this could be a trap game for the Mavs. I'm, I keep I keep saying that over and over again against all these teams. The Knicks are 29th in offensive rating, 24th in defensive rating, and it just feels it just feels like a trap game for them. There might be some emotion for Kristaps. He could try to you know just chuck up a whole bunch of shots early. It's it, not really sure exactly how he's going to come out and try when it's not in MSG. I feel like in MSG we're going to definitely see him try a lot more and really try to go at them and uh but maybe this is where rj gets his poster and maybe he really tries to go at him that way we'll see i would yeah. love that <laughs> <laughs> i just i that wanted to try that would i honestly i mean given the knicks track record like outside like remove the 2012 13 season i, I think if rj dunked on chris Stapps, that would be probably the most hyped MSG has been since 1999, like literally in two decades. I, I genuinely like Alex, can you think of a bigger moment than that over the last 20 years? Um, oh, guys, JR, yeah. you guys you're making you me sons? sad. That would be it, right? No, that would be so awesome. Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome, but you're, I think you're undersell. I mean, think about like, I don't know, just off the top of my head, like the mellow Easter game, like making that shot. I mean, that yeah, that's definitely I, a big moment. <laughs> I said outside of that season. I said remove that one season. That because, was dude, the, no. That was the season before. Didn't oh, Curry go oh, off? Okay. Didn't Curry go off for sixty in MSG one yeah, time? Fifty four. Yeah, fifty four. Nick, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Actually, well, there was Melo's Melo sixty point game. Melo had the sixty three. I think it was was his total. Okay, uh, I guess. I, 
Yeah, my, my premise is like the loudest, like single decibel mark. These I think Knicks fans are like such savages and they've been like, I mean, like they we haven't had like enough to cheer about this year. Like that would just like, I think for New York, that would just be sort of the perfect moment. Like it's not, I know it sounds like I'm taking one big shot at the Knicks and I guess I sort of am, but I, I just think in terms of what Knicks fans prioritize and I'm, I'm one of them, uh, that would be, that would be kind of amazing. It would definitely be a it would probably be a top 10 decibel moment for sure. Maybe even top five, like because people even in what's already shaping out to be kind of a crummy season, that would be a hell of a uh, a, a hell of a thing to happen, you know, to have uh, Porzingis get dunked on like that in his first time back at MSG so, after everything. The Mavs, also, are, try- okay. the Mavs are trying to let make me, the playoffs and the, the, the Knicks just want R.J. Barrett to posterize Porzingis. Is that how this is <laughs> That would be fine by me. I mean, I don't think anybody realistically expected playoffs anyway. That was like if everything fell right and everybody gelled perfectly, maybe the Knicks could have contended for an eight seed or something, but obviously that didn't happen, probably because Fisdale isn't the coach to do that, but – um, I just want you know what this I think is a maybe a good um, closing point just like true or false here I'll ask you guys how you feel about this there was a, uh, some quotes that came out from Porzingis today where like you know the New York reporters were interviewing him during media availability and he was of course asked about how things went down last year and he was like he was like oh yeah like I forget what the time frame was, but he was literally like, oh, pretty much right up until the time I got traded, I said that I was perfectly happy being a Nick and blah, 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 this, that, the other, like, and, you know, it was only like right at the very end there where I asked for a trade. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm calling crap on that. I don't, I don't think that was true. I, but I don't know how you guys feel about that. Do you think that there's any truth to that? Or do you think that he's kind of talking out his butt at this point? I feel like the, the, you something isn't true until you say it out loud. You can think something yeah. is happening inside somebody's head and maybe inside his head or maybe in his inner circle he was telling people I want out of here and I don't like the direction, but if he's not saying that to anybody outside, then there's no way we can disprove that, right? I think he kind of covered his ground when he said I was, you know, perfectly fine until <laughs> I mean, who did he tell that was going to rat him out or say something different to the effect? Uh and, you know, he, he, he did want to get out of New York, and who knows how long that was going on. There was the whole exit meeting thing with Phil Jackson, and that was kind of the only other point that we saw maybe that he would be upset in New York, unless I'm missing one. Yeah, well, there was, like, all kinds of reports about, like, after the fact that the Knicks were getting signals from him that he wasn't happy, and from Giannis, you know, his brother, that he wasn't happy. And, um, but, but those kind uh, of reports are like the Kevin Durant, Kyrie are going to the Knicks reports, right? It's just they just come from nowhere, and it just feels like, oh, yeah, that you, should happen. Yeah, Chris Ops should be upset, but we just don't really know if those are true. Well, no, these came out after the fact. like Because the whole like Porzingis getting traded thing was the thing that came out of nowhere. Like That came up, and everybody was like, oh, what? Because I remember when the first, like, when the first Woj tweet dwo- dropped, everybody was like, was like wait why is he going for a meeting with mills and perry like what's going on and then the woes tweet dropped being like porzingis has requested a trade and everybody's like what the hell is going on and then it was like porzingis is traded and it's like what like where did this come from and you know one angry pod from gavin later and we started getting some actual like answers in the in the uh you know the news like you know guys started asking questions and then that's where stuff came out where it was like 
okay, like, apparently Porzingis had actually, like, been more distant with the team lately. And then when he went in for that meeting that day, the Knicks already kind of knew that that was coming, that he was going to ask for a trade. And so that's why they they'd already like canvassed the league and why they were able to put the deal with Dallas together in like five minutes. Um, and then like there was also stuff about like um, Giannis trying to trying to be more like powerful at MSG and like kind of like call the shots and be like, you guys need to do this, that and the other to make him happy sort of thing. And they were like, uh, no, like you're coming off a major injury and we have a, you know, a plan and, you know, we'll figure it out as we go and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, there was just a whole bunch of stuff that came out afterwards. I don't know. It, it makes me believe that like, I, I don't, I don't think Porzingis is necessarily being truthful. I think he's just kind of covering his butt, but maybe that's just me. Well, and what is he going to make the Knicks fans more mad? I mean, yeah. I mean, what's he going to say? Like, right. huh, screw that place. I hated it there. Like, <laughs> I'm glad to be gone. Like, yeah, I, I think he's, he's probably at this point, probably just trying to keep his overall PR hit positive all across the league i guess i don't know like why why stir the pot right now when things are going good for him but anyway um yeah i i feel like we've probably covered more or less all of our bases do you guys have anything else you want to talk about today no that was pretty i'm I'm too emotional to comment on that so i'll skip (laughs) i still can't get over how you guys said it might be top 10 moment in the last 20 years if if rj really dunks on porzingis I genuinely believe that that would be just because there's so much build up to it. And I was I mean, like, it's just it's the fact that he's seven three. Like that's like has he ever gotten really jammed on in his career? Oh, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he has, yeah. I'm pretty sure Julius Randle himself dunked on him as a Laker. Oh, Julius Randle <laughs> always goes off on the Mavs too, so oh, Yeah, I, I would like it if Julius dunked on him too. I'd like it if pretty much anybody dunked on Porzingis. I'm fine with whatever outcome. <laughs> Alex, if, if if Frank does it, I think we, we do one more podcast and then we can never record again because that would just that just would retire me. retire yeah. on that. It would be like when he dunked on the Stifle Tower, like when yeah. Frank did that dunk. That's just like that's legendary stuff. <laughs> I actually think Porzingis would like take someone out of the air before he got dunked on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's just dirty. Okay, all right, we're done uh, here. Okay, good place. Yeah, sorry, Nick. <laughs> <Good place stand. laughs> all right, th- thank you for coming on though. Uh, do you do you have anything uh, just to chance to crossroad because i i know you do some great work outside of the locked on uh, podcast network as well yeah you can follow me at nick van exit you can also watch my breakdown videos on the free dawkins channel i'm sure everybody watches all their highlight videos on free dawkins on youtube go to the playlist go to the nba breakdowns playlist and that's all my videos breaking down anything porzingis stuff uh, if you want to hate watch some porzingis stuff i'm sure there's stuff <laughs> on there you guys can go watch i just did a video on montrez harrell I also did one on uh, Kendrick Nunn, which has been pretty good. Some Lakers stuff on there. So go check out all that kind of stuff. And you guys as well, if you have anything else going on, this will be on Lockdown yeah. Maps. Oh, uh, yeah. If anyone in the state of Texas wants to watch some uh, New York high school football and or <laughs> soccer championships, you can tune in to me <laughs> broadcasting those on the NFHS network. I know there's a big market in Dallas for upstate New York high school sports. So uh, please uh, tune in. And you can follow me on Twitter at Gavin Shaw. Sorry, Alex. Uh, it's okay. I was gonna say I was about to give your Twitter for you. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I knew, I knew you uh, had me covered. And you can find me on Twitter at the Alex Wolf. Uh, you can also find me on Posting and Toasting, SV Nations, Nick's blog. Uh, I also do most of their tweeting at PT Nick's blog. So you can find me there on game nights, clipping highlights and stuff. If the RJ highlight does indeed come to fruition, Ooh. I will surely have a highlight up of it like post haste within (laughs) within a minute i'm pretty quick so keep an eye out there
there you go. Hopefully the Mavericks go out there and Kristaps Porzingis posters RJ Barrett and just give him a taste of their own medicine or just splashes a three in his face or something like that. We can put those guys in their place. But guys, hope you li- enjoyed listening to the Locked On Knicks guys and I talk about this game tonight. Hopefully the Mavericks come out and get a win. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. We'll be back with a post-game pod. Peace out. Boom. Boom.